So uh, we were going to start the show, but he turned off my microphone, which is probably what you'd like to do in life. Oh, my God. Maybe this is a good way to say, welcome to On the Mark. Welcome to On the Mark with the Bickersteins. Bickersteins, wow, wow, wow. I'm Kathy. I'm Mark. And we are the Bickersteins. Yes, we are. We have, we're geeking out today. Why are we geeking out? We're talking this talk. It's, it's oh. a cool geek out, though. We're going to learn That's some. Right. What's we're gonna the best learn. thing that we're going to learn today? Well, one thing that we're going to learn, have you ever had a conversation? Your phone's not even on. You, you're talking to your friend about something you've never spoken about. It could be about a particular wine in Paris, and you've never brought it up before. And the next thing you know, two minutes later, you're on your phone, and there you go, that freaking bottle of wine that you just talked about but you've never spoken about before is on your phone and then you're like who's listening to me am i crazy but no you're not okay so we're gonna get to that Uh, and we're also talking about i mean more about seo search engine optimization do you have to have it how much do you need to spend is it important why is it important who is it important to Search engine marketing, which is pay per click. That's how we always explain it to clients. So yeah, we're gonna get in. We're gonna get into this right now. So why don't you introduce our guest? All right. Uh, so this week's guest is a good friend of ours, Nick Blazer, and Nick is the digital marketing director at Atigro. Atigro is a is a marketing and advertising firm that we work with a lot. That's uh, located in Virginia. Atigro specializes in SEO, ads, SEM, web design, custom application development, and you name it. Um, but at Atigro, Nick helps us on the Mark Media and many of our clients develop the best web messaging and digital campaigns using SEO and SEM. And I um, always say that uh, Nick is the king of SEO. So Nick, thank you so much for being with us to explain SEO and SEM to our uh, guests. I, I didn't I, yeah. didn't I didn't realize we were among royalty. Yes, we are. Wow. That's how we we uh we crowned we've crowned him king. The, the king of <laughs> SEO. What, yes. what do we call him behind his back? The same. Okay. <laughs> All right, Nick. So I got a question for you. All right, we're going to start off with an easy one. But I'm going to put it to you the same way we get it from uh, a lot of c- potential clients or clients who may be interested. What, what is this SEO thing, and why do I need it? Uh, so, a few things. Uh, the first thing I would do to explain to people is uh, SEO, or search engine optimization, is the art and the science of getting websites to appear in the right places in search results. That's mostly Google, but Bing is important, too. Um, And I I call it an art and a science because there's a data-driven aspect to it. So we collect data with analytics, and then there is an entire creative aspect to it. That's the art Um, because you have to set a title and a description, and basically there's copywriting. And then in order to be in the right places, we have to make – Wait, wait, wait. You said copywriting. That means that I'm I'm, I'm, uh, writing actual text that's on the website. Right. Right. Okay. Oh, well, uh, yeah, it, it can involve the website too. But so the first thing people are going to see is what shows up in the search results. And the two basic things that show up there are the title, which is that main headline. And then there's a little snippet description down below. Uh, and you want to signal what the, what the thing you're sending someone to is about. Um, so that's basic. And from a copywriting standpoint, that's your main heading. And then the snippet is the make an appeal to them, entice them to click, give them, you know, give them that so what. Um, how will this help me solve my problem or answer my question? So and, why- and then on, on the page, there's, there's a copywriting aspect to that too, but yeah. Okay. So why is SEO so helpful for businesses? And, and today, do all businesses need SEO? I mean, is is it imperative? Is it important? And and do you need SEO when you first build your website, or do you need SEO ongoing? I mean, t- tell us a little bit about um, when you need it, why you need it, who needs it. I guess. Okay, uh, so I mean, if you're if your business, you you need to make money, and you need to get in front of customers somehow, customers and clients. And over the past twenty to thirty years, how people do marketing has changed. Uh, The two terms people would use are outbound and inbound. So outbound is traditional marketing. So it's like 
what you'd saw on the TV show Mad Men or putting up ads in places or running uh, radio ads. And then once people could start looking it up on their own, um, that kind of flipped the playbook. And so now all the power is in their hands and it switched to inbound. And the moment basically everybody had a phone in their pockets and they could look up stuff, they but it, it put an emphasis on you have to instantly care about digital marketing. Um, so one of the main ways people try to answer questions or go about solving problems is they'll punch it into their phone or they'll look it up on their computer and they, they do research or they find solution providers to help solve their problems. That's kind of an abstract way of putting it. Like if, like if, if I don't know, uh, something were to go wrong with my shower, like when I moved into this apartment last June, I turned one of the faucets to turn it off when the shower was running and it popped off and water was spewing continuously. Like in that situation, I need a plumber. I'm not going to pull up the yellow pages anymore. I'm just going to punch in like plumbers for emergency situations near me and find someone to call immediately. And so SEO will help you get, get in front of uh, your potential customers like that. So that's why you'd want to be in search engines. Uh, and then, you know, it, it depends on the, it depends on the business, uh, for where you'd want to be. If you're in the business of selling stuff, uh, one of the places people first actually start looking to buy is on Amazon itself. Um, and there's pros and cons to be there, but that primarily if you want to get in front of potential customers and you want to get business, the first way you do that is through search engines. You don't necessarily have to do that from the start when you create a website, but it helps because there are a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that I end up having to deal with or anybody in SEO has to deal with. Um, and some sites that I deal with come to me, just they're well set up and others I have to start from scratch and fix a lot of things. So speaking of fixing things, did you get, did you get the uh, leak fixed? That's first of all. The leak. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, you got a so good plumber. <laughs> Yeah, no, luckily this apartment building has like it's part of a property management company that has numerous properties throughout Chicago. So they sent someone over, but I, I was panicking because it was at seven in the morning. Now, could could you have also then? Because I would have said, "What do I do when my faucet comes off to stop the water?" And then maybe I would have gotten to a plumber's website. And they had answered yeah. this question before already. Is that another way? Like, I mean, because like if, sometimes if I'm getting ready to solve a problem, that's what I'm doing. I'm looking for the actual answer to the question. How do I solve this problem? Yeah, and that's that's a good thing to bring up too. So there's there's lingo that you're going to get from out like elsewhere. It's called the buyer's journey. Uh, and the theory beyond this uh, for this has been around for it's from the late 1800s. And basically what that means is when people have a problem, they need to find a solution. And to get to that solution, they take an information journey. So they go through stages where they need to see certain information to advance to the next stage. Uh, the classic way they would state this is ADA, which stands for Awareness, Interest, Desire, and Action. Today's shorthand is Awareness, Consideration, and Decision. And so at each of those stages, basically they need to see different things on your site. So. Uh, if I hadn't had to deal with emergency plumbing situations before, you're right. I would have looked up like, how do I shut off the water? But I instantly knew like, there's a water main. Um, you know, I, I was panicking because the, the tub was filling up. Um, so yeah, in the awareness stage, I would be looking for things to help me diagnose what the problem is or what's causing it. Um, is that where yeah. is that where blogging comes in and is helpful because? Let's say it's not a critical emergency where you have water pouring all over your apartment, but you have a problem that you need. So you'll, you're assessing, you know, this Google or Bing. Really, Bing? Come on, seriously. But okay, we'll go uh, with the, we'll go with the Bing thing. We'll, we'll Nick's going to get to that. Yeah. Right, Nick's going to get to, get to the Bing thing. Yeah. All right. So you're looking at the at the what we'll say it's the plumbers or at their website. And, and you're trying to fix it yourself because they have a nice blog right, about and it. And they have information yeah. and they have a blog and they have videos. Is that all something that helps SEO? Yes. So you, uh, from so from a standpoint of just being exposed to somebody, uh, you're better off being an ex like someone seeing you as an expert for what you do 
um, than not knowing anything at all. So by having videos and articles on your site that talk about those issues and here's what it is and how to fix it, you're, you're demonstrating your expertise in whatever you do. Uh, and that helps build trust with, with people that encounter you. And then if, if they're not in an emergency situation and they have time to think about this and what kind of a purchase they're going to make, um, when they're, they move to that, that next stage where, okay, I'm ready to spend some money, uh, they're more likely to think, think of you as opposed to someone else because they've, they've already you know, run into your brand or your company or, or whatever you do. Right. So in your case, uh, so it, you went to the website, yeah. you said, oh, they have great information. I couldn't end up fixing it myself. But hey, you know, I liked they, they, they were, seemed to be a trusted advisor and they had good stuff. So I'm going to call them now or you've been exposed to their brand. And the next time maybe you you couldn't fix it this time, you couldn't fix it next time. That's maybe is something the name rings in your head and that's somebody you might um, look to as a, a thought leader or an expert in the field and somebody you're more familiar with than you were, you know, two minutes ago before your faucet broke. Is that right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, so it, it, you can also sort of think of this. So I'll use other analogies for stuff people have, are used to seeing. So like podcasts are the digital marketing equivalent of radio or um, banner ads and websites are the digital marketing equivalent of billboards outside. Um, and so having articles on your site and being exposed that way is the same thing as having like a jingle on the radio where you get people to see it enough times they'll remember it. Um, and you're the first thing that comes to mind. Now, since Mark brought up Bing, and I don't think we were going to get to this yeah. just yet, but um, you, you kind of like had a thing that you wanted to say. Because a lot of people ignore Bing and they think I just need to be on Google or whatever. Well, sometimes Bing comes up and then I have to re I have to go in there and change my uh, search engine. Because you like Google better. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm like, how did this get changed? Yep. What did I click but, on to change it to this? What, what, but you're like, you'll be on it like a week before you realize, well, why but is then, Bing coming up? Does that mean the company should not pay attention to Bing? Or should we be paying attention to Bing? Is Bing getting bigger? And is Bing more because of voice activis activation or whatever? Like, isn't Alexis or somebody attached to Bing or something? I don't know. Yeah. So that's, that's actually the reason why I'd say don't underestimate Bing. I mean, there... Google's light years ahead of, of Microsoft and Bing. Um, and for most of the sites that I deal with, it's like you get eight times more traffic from Google than you do from Bing, like at a minimum. Um, and for the most part, what you do for Google is what you do for Bing. But the reason I'd say don't underestimate Bing and maybe care about it is uh, Amazon is competing with Google. Uh, one way to eat into Google's market share is the default search on every Amazon device is through Bing. Um, and Microsoft is now making the same kinds of investments that Google has made. Like Android phones, Google's using what you punch in on that phone. They're collecting data through that. Well, now Microsoft with Windows 10 has like the search bar uses Bing. So Microsoft's catching up uh, and they're investing in this. It might not be something you care about today or tomorrow, but it, it does, again, it doesn't hurt to pay attention to that. And it's the default search on every kind of Amazon device. So and I remember Fire TV, Alexa, yeah. I, I remember Sony making the same argument about beta, you know, and then the beta cam and the beta I'm joking. Um <laughs> it's an old reference. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, that's I mean that's a that's a good reference because beta had superior video quality, but VHS was cheaper to make. So VHS won out. See, Nick gets me. <laughs> he gets me. That's yeah. good because you kind of lost All right, me on that uh, one. So let, um, and, and I got another. Okay, so the the thing that like if people know anything about, it, they're like, oh, Google spiders. That the the spider's gonna go on my website and it's gonna look for words and things. Is is that kind of how it works? Where where, where you, it decides your ranking and whether you're on the elusive first page or not? Keywords. Uh, I think we're talking the secret to keywords, well, right? Yes. Well, I mean, so I'll go into all of the above. So Google's spiders, basically it's a robot that pulls the page up, um, but at a way more like not visual level. So they're just pulling up the, like, the source code. And they're going, okay, what's on this page? Um, and trying to understand what's on there. And then they, they add it to their database. And every, every so often they come back and check stuff on sites to see, oh, did this change? Um, and on that note, um, so there's, 
just to go back a bit for explaining SEO, there's, there's two sets of ways I'll explain what factors into this. So for the first set, uh, there's three buzzwords, and this factors into the spiders you mentioned. Uh, accessibility, relevancy, and authoritativeness. And we're going to end up covering all three uh, as we go over. But accessibility is not just can Google see this and see what's on the page, um, but can people understand it when they look at it? Because uh, there's, there's ways Google can sort of see how people interact with stuff. Relevancy is um, how related is what, what the search somebody made is to what you have on your site. So you want to match up. You want to be where people are searching. And then authoritativeness is like, well, are you, are you an expert on this? Um, both in the subject matter and then the people who will vouch for you, who link to you. And the second set of things I would use to describe for what SEO involves or what Google looks for um, are these five categories in plain English. So there's what you say, and that's the quote content. Uh, how easily can it be understood? Uh, who and what vouches for you? So it's like your backlinks. Um, is it something that matters? Back, so it doesn't matter what we'll, people are we'll, looking we'll for. We'll talk about in a minute. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And is it the best available thing to show? Because Google only has 10 spots plus a billion and a half search features to show on page one. So basically, if you want to be on page one, you're competing with, we'll just keep it simple, nine other people to appear on that. So you need, you need to put the best foot forward. Um, so that's one thing. And then if we were going to go into keywords, um, one second here. So um, I was going to tell you with, with the term blog, there's, I prefer to call that stuff a different way um, for the same reason. I'm not a fan of the term keywords because it doesn't, it doesn't really describe what we're dealing with. So, um, so instead of keywords, you should sort of think of these as requests because that's what they are. They're just, they're shortcuts for what people punch into a, uh, onto their phone. Um, and it, it's going to sound weird, but the first thing I'll point out is people ask Google entire questions or they just put forward demands. And I'll give you three COVID related ones. Show me restaurants with takeout. Where can I buy hand sanitizer or which stores are still selling toilet paper? Um, and in all three of those instances, Google's looking for businesses that offer something under certain consideration. So it's not necessarily the keywords that matter there. It's, it knows it's looking for a thing, a business that does X, Y, or Z. Um, and in addition, there's this silent part to it that you might not realize, which is location, because it just magically happens in the background. Um, for a lot of things that people search for, location factors into it, especially if it's a local business. Um, and then as another thing for keywords, uh, and these are all considerations that we have to keep in mind before you, you make a blog. Um, so I'm building up to something here, but, uh, keywords have a defined meaning behind them. So what Google shows in search results is an attempt to meet what it thinks is that meaning, um, and the underlying expectation of what it thinks someone is looking for. And it's constantly changing that, um, so I could type in Apple, and it could mean I'm looking for the company Apple, or I'm looking for, I guess, an Apple I can eat. More likely, it's, it's Apple the company, but you never know. So when we throw around the term search intent, that's what we're talking about. And, and so if I had to reduce keywords down to something, they're more of a shortcut. Uh, they're an intersection between a problem and a solution. Um, the problem is what people are asking about. The solution is what Google shows. And for the most part, there are means to the end. So uh, today in SEO, it's not so much the keywords you put on the page. You want to have them there a couple times. It's more about the, the subject matter of the page. So what, what does the page talk about? Um, and, and we use keywords for, for other things. Like so if you had a store that sold toilet paper, so the keyword yeah. would, would be 
toilet paper. No, well, I think what you're saying is it wouldn't be toilet paper. It'd be like we are stocked up on toilet paper. Or we or latest stocks and you know or whatever. We can't say stocks right. and toilet paper, but it's like new toilet paper arrives today or something. Is that what you're saying? Like it's not just toilet paper because it's not long. It's no longer words. We used to think of keywords as just words, and if we put the words, but what you're saying right. is it's the intent. So instead of words, we should put phrases or questions that people are googling and asking because it's yeah. gotten bigger than words it's gotten smarter is that what you're saying yeah and, and there's other stuff there too so i mean toilet paper so if you sell toilet paper it's implicit that that page should be about toilet paper and not like what is toilet paper it should be about the brands that sell toilet paper like Charmin. you know um so you're gonna want to like if you sell that, you're going to want pages that list charm and toilet paper. And your keywords aren't going to be like that root phrase is going to be ridiculously hard to get into. Um, so instead, you're going to want to show up for like Charmin toilet paper. Um, but more likely than not, you're going to want to be specific. So like a, a four pack or, or however people put it. So like in that instance, brand is fair game. Um, size is fair game. Like it, from a I sell stuff standpoint, all of the product attributes that would go into what they would, yeah, all the product attributes and stuff you would describe that factor in. You know, if I'm selling shoes, the color is fair game, the brand is fair game, the size is fair game, all that factors in. Um, and then there's a, there's a whole host of other things that go into that too. So like you could tell Google that you have something in stock and Google is going to show businesses that sell something that's in stock versus businesses that don't, you know, it's out of stock. I, um, I never even thought of asking Google if they had it in stock, uh, you know, but, uh, so you had mentioned backlinks, yeah. backlinks, uh, wh what are they and how do they help me? Okay. Uh, this is another one where I can say this in sort of plain English. So backlinks are, are your online reputation. Uh, you can think of them as votes of confidence or like, uh, other people who will vouch for what you do, like a personal reference. Uh, so that's one way. That's that's one way of saying what a backlink is. Uh, another thing that a backlink is is it indicates a relationship between two things. So this thing that I'm linking to is related to what I'm linking from in some way. So like if you were to if you were to cite a report you found online that had some some kind of a stat. Um, you know, you're linking out to that, and it's related by subject matter. And then the, the third thing is it's also a way to cite sources. Um, and there's a few other ways to do it, but How does that bring you traffic? Does that bring you traffic? Or is, that is that what you're saying when you talked about Google is going to show the best available information. So they're going to they're going to say who's the most credible. And then those backlinks are going to be like your reputation. You know, if you have more outside people giving you a vote of confidence, does that mean that you're going to, that's another way for you to show up above your yeah. competitor that doesn't have this like third party validators almost? Is that what you're saying? Yes. So uh, so both both of the things that you're getting into uh, factor into this. So I'll start with the second one and I'll move back to the first, uh, the first question. So yeah, it's like, it's, it's li who links to you is one part of the whole equation. Um, and then that equation isn't universal. Um, what I mean to say is Google looks at different industries differently um, and treats them differently. So law firms and medical sites are going to be treated completely differently than a company that does marketing. And the reason is there's no margin of error, acceptable margin of error for, for medical information or for, for legal advice. You know, if you give bad medical information, you can get someone killed. If you give bad legal advice, they can end up in jail um, or lose a lawsuit or whatever. Uh, so Google's gonna treat different industries differently uh, for one, and then uh, the kinds of links that factor into that matter. Uh, it's better to have sites that are related to what you do or whatever they're talking about on that page is related to what you do then not because um, Google's gotten way better it, it's it's not necessarily volume anymore it's more so quality uh, it's quality over quantity though it doesn't hurt like more is all more is 
more is better regardless, but quality over quantity. And then there's, there's some other considerations, but to go back to, um, can it be a source of traffic? The answer is yes. So one of the things that people skimp out on or just ignore when they try and go about link building is you want to think about this as a, as a business opportunity. If you're, you're reaching out to someone and you go, hey, this is, this is a great resource to link to, um, you want to ask yourself, if Google didn't exist, would it be a good idea to be in front of this, this website's audience? Um, and if the answer is yes, then that's definitely a place you want a backlink from because people are going to click on that regardless. Um, and you can get some, it's called referral traffic. Uh, in fact, for, uh, for law firms, there's a handful of directories that every lawyer should absolutely be on because they show up in the search results when people search estate planning lawyers near me or criminal defense lawyers near me. There are websites like Avo, Fine Law, uh, Super Lawyers, Best Lawyers, um, Martindale, Hubble, those sites. Um, those sites get law websites traffic regardless and the backlinks help. All right. So, the so, well, so if, okay. All right. So we, let's say we in the PR business, we get a client and, and the, somebody does a story about them. WTOP does a, a report on them, a good report. Um, yeah. Okay. So WTOP will often link to the client's website. That's great. That brings traffic. How does it work the opposite way? If we link to a WTOP story or the client links to a WTOP story or to any story, how does that get them? But also, does it does D, does WTOP linking to you because it's a, uh, a well-regarded radio station, does that also better than some blogger with three followers linking back to you? Uh, uh, so two questions, sorry. Yeah. Um, so some of that, so some of that is an, it, it depends territory. Uh, and part of the reason it's, it depends is because historically people have abused things like that. Uh, so in the 2000s, there was something you add to a link that takes away the value. So the site that includes the link doesn't get penalized. Uh, I have to say that because a lot of big name brand websites then adopted a blanket policy of adding what's called a nofollow attribute to all links that go outside of its site. And that gets rid of most of the value that would be passed by the backlink. However, um, recently... Google changed its rules about paying attention to that. And it went, we're just going to do it whenever we, we'll pay attention to that little rule, whenever we feel like it. Um, because they know big brand, like big companies just sort of abuse that. Um, so it's, it's an, it depends territory. I mean, generally it's a good thing if a well-known website links to you, I, I, you're better off. Um, so I'll use a really, strange uh, reference, maybe not for you, but for the people listening. So since, since you're in PR, uh, if this was like the 1940s, it would be a big deal if Edward Bernays uh, vouched for what you do in a PR, uh, like in your PR efforts. And for anybody who doesn't know, Edward Bernays is the person who came up with public relations post-World War I. Um, so I, my, my overall point is like, it's a, it's a big deal if somebody who's a big deal links to you versus a nobody. But it also matters if that nobody is related to what you do. You know, um, a, new, a news website is going to be treated differently um, versus a site that happens to be in your, you know, your subject matter. Uh, and there's a whole other host of technical considerations. But for anybody listening to this, it's a good thing to get linked to from well-known places, like regardless. So th th that's another thing you brought up, and we are talking about, like, the rules change every day, and I think maybe, you know, there used to be in their websites, and you, they have their SEO that you can buy the plugin or whatever, and it can help yep. you do whatever. But but the reason why, and, and tell me if I'm wrong here, that, that 
the reason why I think we need you and the reason I rely on you with some of our clients is because when the rules change so much, um, I think you need like someone who just does SEO and understands and is so up on it because I feel like every nanosecond, you know, it's like the companies are trying to work around the loopholes that Google and Bing put up or the blockades or whatever. And then and then Google gets smarter and then the companies get smarter and then it's like this cat and mouse game and it's like it, it changes every other second. And like I remember recently, I think you told me like, it could have been months ago, but even the, the time that people spend on your website is another way for Google to say, hey, this is quality material because if it wasn't quality material, you wouldn't have all these people spending 30 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour on your website because they would, you know, they would jump off. It, if they come on and nobody spends more than a nanosecond on your website, then they lower it. So, but, but like these rules seem to change all the time. And it can the regular Joe Schmo who doesn't know SEO keep up with this? Right. Uh, yeah. So there's, there's, a, there's a few things you want to you wanna look for. Um, for I mean, just to give you an example of what I have to keep up with, I have uh, I have more than 120 just like SEO related news sources that I'll check every day. Now that that sounds more impressive than it actually is because I have a tool that pulls any kind of website like new website posts they put up, um, so I can just look in 10 minutes and see what what's new. Um, but you want to look for somebody who's a life like for one, regardless, you want to look for somebody who's a lifelong learner because this. This industry changes ridiculous, you know, changes to a ridiculous degree, um, and stuff is always evolving, and new stuff is always being discovered. And Google usually puts in new search features every other month. Um, stuff that you might not realize from like, like if you just when you're searching on your phone yourself, you might not realize that that wasn't there before, um, as like a little carousel or how things show up. But it's it's new on our end, and it's a new thing we have to, opt to optimize for. Um, and another thing you're going to want to pay attention to or like look for is so you want a specialist, but it also doesn't hurt to let, go with somebody who knows more than one discipline. Um, and the reason I say that is because SEO touches on more than just SEO. So I have to know. Like myself, I have to know something about web development because I deal with sites on a technical level. I have to be able to put this in context of the greater marketing effort. So you have to know a lot about digital marketing in and of itself. Um, I have to put this in the context of the of, of sales because uh, I've, I've referenced the buyer's journey. The stuff you want on your website when people are ready to spend money is completely different from the stuff you want uh, for those those articles. And so you have to also know how to do like a business pitch. Like the way I would explain having a page on your site that sells your services is it's just a visual business pitch. Um, and like you kind of have to know that stuff because you have to optimize the information structure because at the end of the day, no matter what we're doing, the main thing that the business owner cares about is are we getting leads? Are we getting new business? You know, that's, that's how you define the, the ROI here. Um, so how do you, I mean, does, so you, SEO obviously is important. We understand that if you want yeah. this inbound marketing, people, um, looking for you, not you like fishing for them. Um, but like, do, do you have to spend thousands of dollars a month or, I mean, like, can, can a company if, I mean, can you get away with spending a few hundred dollars a month? I mean, what, what's your budget and, and does every company really have to think about investing in this because I, I think I think over the years there's been some um, uh, you know it's like it, it's like there's bad SEO people there's bad marketing people there's bad advertising people yeah. with and give bad advice right so you really want to make sure a you've got the right person and you want somebody who's just not you know selling you this cookie cutter package because they know that that they can just you know, you can't keyword stuff the way you used to maybe 10 years ago or whatever. But I mean, what, what are some things that if I'm looking for a good SEO person, what am I looking for? And what you told us some of that, um, how much do I have to spend? And do I do I need it every month? Or can I do some just tune ups every other month? Or tell us what we need at the bare minimum? Uh, you're 
So you're going to need, you'll need somebody who, well, so you're going to need somebody who also specializes in understand how content marketing works because SEO itself, it's just, it's one means to an end. So like if we put this in traditional marketing context, radio ads are one means to an end display billboard, you know, um, billboards are one means to an end, uh, coupons are means to an end and all that stuff sounds dated, but they're what we would call that in the digital marketing space is their channels. Uh, so regardless of whatever somebody does with SEO, you need to have content on the site because that's what you're getting to show up in the search results. Um, so you, you're going to need somebody who's content oriented and thinks about it more in a sales perspective and, and a funnel. Like how do we pull people in who are doing research and then how do we then move them to the next stage where they're ready to spend money? And then how do we get them to contact? Um, and what pieces of content need to go where or where at that journey? And then how does that fit in with search and what are people searching to get there? Uh, because each stage actually has different things that show up in the search results. Um, so uh, more likely than not, if you're a local business um, and you're selling services, you're probably going to have to run ads and because if you do any kind of search for that, there's always going to be four ads at the top of the search results. And then there's this, this box that shows stuff from Google Maps and then the other stuff take over. Um, so you, you're going to want somebody who's more content focused. Uh, and if they can't make that content, find someone who can and, and know what that looks like. So it, it's, uh, it's kind Google, of like you can put a spotlight on a stage, but if there's nothing going on the stage, then you're going to lose your audience because there's no entertainment. Yeah. So your SEO is basically getting people there. But if you've got no good content, you can SEO it to death. But it's content right. is king. Like content is crucial. Um, so it's not right. SEO. It's SEO and good content and understanding that you need to have good stuff, you know, for, for people once they get there. Right. Is that? Yeah. Okay. That's, that's one part. And then this is, there's a cycle to this of where you research, you create something, you release into the wild, you see what happens, you change something like there's that process. And, um, so you, you're going to want somebody who can do for SEO can do the campaigns where they end up helping to create the stuff. And then you want somebody who's gonna on a monthly basis, look at how all that stuff is doing as well as address issues on the site. So there's a, there's a campaign aspect to it and there's an ongoing aspect to it. Uh, That's the art, and, the art and, and the science as you talked about, right? Y yeah. yeah. And there's a few other ways to look at SEO versus ads. Cause I'm guessing you're going to end up asking about ads. So one way I would end up talking about search traffic is search traffic is traffic. You don't actually have to pay for so if you're paying someone for SEO, they're more of a force multiplier. Like I'm not, like I, I, I'm not, I'm putting you in a position where that traffic is happening. Um, I can't control the demand in those searches. Or what, what I'm trying to say is, I'm helping to get you in front of things. But once you're there, you're gonna be there on an ongoing basis. So search traffic is traffic you don't have to pay for, whereas ad traffic is traffic you pay for. Uh, and search traffic yields an ongoing return on investment. So once you get to the top of the search results, you're getting traffic on an ongoing basis. It's not a one-off instance. Um, so if you can get a blog post that gets traffic for a year, that's awesome. If you can get it for two years, that's even better. Because every meaningful action that someone takes after they view that article or that video, so they sign up for your newsletter or they reach out to you, if we look at that from a, bit, from a business standpoint, that's lowering the customer acquisition cost for how much you invested in that in that article. Um, yeah, that's, so that's, when that's you, one way. When you told me that, yeah. I told a lot of my clients, when you said, listen, a, a single blog post that's good can give you a year to two years worth, of, it can pay off and give you one to two years worth of ROI. And I'm, and I'm thinking, okay, so let's maybe it's say it took four hours to write a blog post. Um, well, four hours giving you two years worth of leads potentially, I mean, that's a good payoff to me. So, I mean, people need to realize that good content, it lasts. It's not just like um, an ad where you turn it on and then you turn it off. Um, it keeps on going. The, you know, it's the, it's the gift that keeps on giving sort of thing. Yeah. 
Um, and there's one other thing I wanted to mention off of that. So it's the gift that keeps on giving. Um, you're, well, you'd want to put more than four hours into it because uh, <laughs> well, Google demands a premium in what it shows. It only wants to show the best available resources to keep its customers. Okay. And one of its customers are the searchers, happy. Um, and there's, I, I've decided to call this a law, um, but I'll call it the law, like, I don't know, the second law of content marketing. Uh, as the quantity of stuff people create goes out on the web, like increases, the value of the quality, like the high quality stuff increases because the more, like the more competitors you are, maybe the book I'd pull out is like blue ocean strategy. It's a sales book. I think from the two thousands, like the more people that are competing in the space, like the more competitive you have to be. Um, so you, you, you have like, you have to put out high quality stuff. Um, but again, it can, it can yield a lot of traffic and there's some, there's some methods we can do to calculate that. One of the quickest ways to do it is just to take, well, if we were to run ads on this, how much would we pay per click? And then multiply that by how much traffic you get per month. And you can sort of take an estimate on that. So if, if someone's getting hundred clicks to an article a month and average cost per click for that is two bucks, that's $200 of free traffic for a month. All right, we are talking with Nick Blazer. He is uh, the digital marketing director at Atigro, or as Kathy calls him, the king of SEO. And SEM. And <laughs> SEM. Well, I've, I've newly crowned him that, too. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> he can tell us if he agrees. She has knighted him as well. <laughs> and and Atigro is a marketing and uh, advertising firm located in Virginia. So you gave a, so a couple tips here that you've uh, – given us here along the way don't underestimate bing read the buyer's journey uh the second law of content marketing is uh the more stuff the more quality there's going to be out there and 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 the more you put out quality is more important than quantity quality is more, okay, do you, well, okay yeah. do, do you have a like give me like you and and you could do this at any time during this interview if you have it now great like give me another little tidbit that people will go oh my gosh i didn't think of that you, you, like, what's the secret? What's the secret? Um, that is there a Big Mac secret sauce? The secret sauce. <laughs> you, there may not be. One thing you, you know, that you don't tell people, but you went, if they only knew this, hell, you got something? There are a few clever tricks I could point out. Let me hear. Um, so if you're making an article, uh, and I haven't seen too many places that point it, like that point this out. If you're making an article... Adopt what's called an inverted pyramid, or the military term would be bluff. Well, a lot of people use it for bluff. Bottom line up front. So you should presume whoever is reading whatever you have on your site is going to scan it, like for, for one. And so journalism students are taught this when they go to school. Um, when you write a newspaper article, you have to put the most important point up front because as people read an article, they trail off and lose, you know, you lose their attention and they move on to something else. Um, so for whatever articles you make on your site, make your first, your most important point, the first point, like that's the main takeaway that somebody's going to get when they read that. Um, you and have then the no second idea, trick, you, you have no idea how often I tell so many people that as, as former journalists, yeah. as, as, <laughs> yes, as a yeah. recovering journalist, I say, don't make the case and then summarize, summarize, make the case. That's what I say to our attorney clients. Um, but yep. yeah, or tell me what you're telling me in a sentence, tell me the sentence, explain it in one sentence and then the rest of, will follow. So yeah, that's, that, that's a good one. That's, that's also a good, a good one. Um, cause you're always going to want your, so what, you know, what, so what, so why should I care? What's your thesis on that? Um, and that, so adopt an inverted pyramid. And then if so, for anything someone reads, uh, they should be able to read the intro, scan the headings read the conclusion and know what it's about because that's what they're going to do anyway. Um, so when you write your articles, you want to use headings throughout and basically make your main points be the headings. Um, I think that would be another really easy, clever trick uh, to improve articles that people write. All right, wait, well, give it to They're going to read the intro. They're going to read the headings. They're going to check, check out the conclusion. Was there one I missed? 
Oh, that's it. And and so if they if they can, if somebody can do that, and you can explain what the article is about, without actually ever read the text, it's a well written article. Okay, so um, I've read the headline. I've just scanned every couple of paragraphs. There's another he- sub headline that kind of talks about what the next two paragraphs yep. are about. So if I literally just scanned those the headline, the few sub headlines, and then read the conclusion, then I don't need all those other words. That's right. what you're saying, and, right? And that's a well written. Yeah, and that's actually a shortcut that I'm looking for when uh, – so if I'm doing keyword research, like should you make something for this keyword? Um, we want to see what's showing up in the search results because that's going to give you an idea of what Google's looking for. And one of the shortcuts I do is I look – I just do what I just ran you through. Um, I, I'm looking all at the main headings because those are all their main points. Like That's the subject matter you want to talk about. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, it's a quick little heuristic. Um, Great tips. And then, and then the third one I would have is answer questions. Um, so if you can get away with having a heading, if, if it's a phrase, but you can reword it as a question and it keeps the exact same meaning, make it a question. And regardless, answer questions on things because there's, it's not really advanced anymore, but it's a clever little trick where we can we can mark up those questions and the answers on that page and get them to show up in the search results underneath where you appear and you take up twice as much space as you did before. So and you, would put, in, the question, you, you it, would put in some, yeah. how, how do I fix the, uh, the faucet on my shower that's uh, fell off? You would put right. Or, or, um, uh, why I call is back, I had the call back. good callback? Thank you. Or why is SEO so important for law firm marketing or something like that? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yep. And then have an answer. And okay. th- there's a character limit, but y- you can give an answer and then you can actually include a link in there and kick them to something else. But the, the net takeaway of doing that is once we enable that feature, it increases the amount of clicks you get. You take up more space. Uh, people can see more of what it's about. And that's also stuff Google is looking for. Um, and you could do this not just on articles. Uh, so if you have a sales page, this is a clever little hack. Uh, if you have any kind of sales page where you're selling a service, if you can find a sneaky way to include an FAQ section in that, that's where you'd want to mark that up. Um, like that would be one way attorneys can differentiate themselves on their, on their pages for their practice areas. You could include two or, well, you want to go for a minimum of three because Google will show up to three underneath it. Um, and just go with the top line questions you'd get from, like, in that. So if, if you do divorce, um, if that's your practice area, three questions about divorce or three questions about estate planning. Um, it's a clever little hack for, FA, for uh, sales pages because most people think, I'll just build an FAQ page. Um, but Google really doesn't have a reason to just pull that FAQ page in the search results if someone's looking for a service. Uh, does that make sense? So it would be on your it could be on your services page, and instead of saying we do this, you might ask a, you might ask a question and then answer what it is, and then in the context of what you do, is that what you're saying? Uh, yeah, you're like, uh, or, or kind of. <laughs> if, if, if well, if there's frequently asked questions, you get about what you do. So. You know, if if you're a plumber, you know, are you do you do 24 hour calls or are you on call for 24 hours? That would be an FAQ question I'd want on the page, pitching my services as a plumber, um, because a that's probably something someone's asking anyways. Right. You know, do you work weekends? And, and B, <laughs> yeah, do you work weekends? Actually, those are two question, easy questions you can include on that page, mm-hmm. um, and then you just got to figure out a way to incorporate an FAQ section within the pitch. Um, because if you're making a business pitch, you got to follow a certain formula. Uh, so there's like a visual design component to that. But re- regardless, my point is uh, ans- uh, ask and answer questions, and then somebody who does SEO can mark those up and double the space you take up in the search results. Hmm. Good tips. All right, well, we've heard a lot about SEO. Let's uh, talk about SEM. And I, later I'm going to get to the big question of, why is it when I'm talking on my phone or I'm talking and my phone's not even 
I'm not even on the phone, and then later I get served an ad, and it's creepy. But anyway, you'll you'll chat with me about that later because I'm really curious about that. Yep. But anyway, if you talk um, SEM, would you say SEM is more important than SEO? Are they equal? Search you, engine marketing. Search engine marketing. Yes, digital sir. marketing, right? I mean, is there a difference between digital marketing and search engine marketing? Um Digital advertising, yeah. is there differences in all that? Can you explain a little, explain what it is first, yeah. I guess, and then so compare it to SEO. Yeah, so there's there's a number of three-letter acronyms we're about to throw out, so I'll just do them all. So SEM stands for Search Engine Marketing, and it, it can mean two different things. So technically, SEO is Search Engine Marketing, because it's marketing and search engines. But when people talk about this, what they really mean is pay-per-click ads. And the, the little three-letter acronym for pay-per-click ads would be PPC. Um, so those are the those for Google and for search engines, mostly those are going to be the ads up at the top of the results. They have some other ads that show up too. Like uh, if you sell things, there's a specific econ like shopping carousel where you can get products listed. And there's a special ad type for contractors. Uh, you can show up in that map box. There's a number of different ads. But typically when people are talking about SEM, they're more talking about pay-per-click ads. And then pay-per-click ads aren't just limited to Google. Um, so I don't want them to, you know, don't just associate them with search. Basically, it's it, they're called pay-per-click because you only pay when someone clicks on the ad. And that's how basically every ad platform or place you can advertise so banner ads you see on sites, if you're running stuff on Facebook, if you're running stuff on LinkedIn, more likely than not, it's pay-per-click. You can also do what's called pay-per-impression. Uh, but in my opinion, unless you're going for complete awareness, like you just want to be seen by people, you're incentivizing the platform that you're running those ads on to burn money because that's what they're going to do. You're paying to show up in front of people no one has to do anything. Uh, so my personal preference is go for pay-per-click. Uh, and so that's and what that sometimes is. you want to do that. Yeah. It's like a quick hit in many cases. I mean, so you're going to show up in the first four results, hopefully, right? Isn't that sort of the case? Yep. Okay. Yeah, and you only for pay, Google. Yeah, so if you need to do something, you know, while you're building your position on, on uh, SEO – what are you going to do in the meantime? SEM is a way to to get some quick results. I'm sure there's much more to it than that, but is that is that one of yeah. the ways that uh, you you recommend? Yes, and you're for some actually for a lot of industries to to do callback to what I mentioned earlier. If you sell local services, or basically if you sell services at all, you have to run ads because there are always going to be three or four ads at the top of the search results. And the stuff at the top gets the most clicks. Uh, Even so, though it says, that it says that it's an ad. I always wonder, you know, you see that little box, it says ad, but they yep. still, they, people still click on that even though they know that they're, you know, this. Uh, or do they even pay attention? I mean, we know it's an ad because we pay attention. Yeah. Do, you think the, do you think the majority of people who don't know this stuff and don't live this stuff do they even know it's an ad? Do they just automatically see it and they go right past ad? So some know. people, some people do. Uh, so this is going to get into those frequent changes we mentioned earlier, and someone paying attention to it. Last year in May, you may not have noticed this, but Google changed how the search results appear on your phone, and they did this. Uh, I'll also get into why Google does this stuff. But they did this to make ads more indistinguishable from the normal search results. So people would think that they're normal search results. And what the main change they did is they switched that little butt, that little icon that says ad, to the little, it's called a favicon. It's that like logo for each website. So they switched that. So there's a little, well, they put the ad in that place. And then for all the other SEO stuff, they put those little icons there. So it became a lot more indistinguishable between the two, and then they caught a lot of flack for it, and they tried to do it on desktop results too. Um, in fact, that's that's why you'll see the little icons in the search results now. Um, but Google's always trying to to change how ads appear, 
they say they're doing it for their users, but uh, after a certain point, I noticed this interesting little pattern where they would announce their quarterly results, and then shortly thereafter, they'd push out a major algorithm update to their search results, which usually causes people to spend more money on ads because they stop showing up for certain searches. Ooh, um, controversy. I love it. Like, like, like this last one. Well, so the last major update that came out uh, was May the 4th. And a week or two before, Google put out their quarterly earnings report. Um, and this is during COVID-19. Uh, so Google is now saying for the quarter two, they're expecting to lose money for the first time ever. So uh, like they, they would have known that this was going to happen before that. So, you know, I'm pretty sure that they used that, that May the 4th update to sort of juice their, the way that their revenue comes in. Uh, most tech so, companies so do May stuff the like fourth this to was, keep the stock price going up. May yeah. the 4th was with them? Never mind. Yeah, May, May, May the 4th was with them. be with you. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. We get it. <laughs> but, so you can, yeah, you can run, uh, you're going to want to run ads. I mean, you're going to want to run ads to show up there and also because you mainly want to advertise for those searches to target people who are in the business of spending money. Um, so yeah, you can, you can get a quick hit there, but then you want to make sure whatever page you send them to is designed to make the best sales pitch possible. Um, because you're paying for that traffic. So you want them to reach out and contact you. So, the, um, so on those, you, you're also, the ad is important, but really what yeah. you're saying is the landing page where you send people. And I, I a lot of companies don't maybe, or maybe they do, maybe they don't, don't understand that you should have a specific landing page, a page that's just dedicated to really talk to whatever the ad was so you can capture them and bring them in your, in your sales funnel to sell what other products. So if you're, if you're selling, if your ad is about um, a safety device, uh, a personal safety device, and then you send them to a website and there's five other products on that um, page, or it's just the main company's website, you may have lost them already because then they're like, well, I just wanted to see the personal safety device. So you would want to send them to a page with the, that exact product and information because we know what they were already looking for, right? Right. You want to, it, it's called a message match. So the three things that you're going to be scored on, both by a robot and by people, is is the language of the ad matching the keywords that you're running against. And then do those match whatever page you're sending them to? Um, and then, yes, you want you want it to be as specific as possible because, again, you're, you're paying for that traffic. You you want them to reach out for you. Uh, I mean, you can also mistakenly set your date. Like for Google ads, typically what you do is you have, well, for, they've experimented with monthly budgets, but you set your budget on a daily basis and you can accidentally spend a thousand bucks in a day that you didn't mean to. Uh, and you're not getting that back if you that sounds didn't like, mean to do that. Uh, you know, that might have been a personal experience. Did that ever happen? Not, not for not me, but no, that's, no. yeah. You no, know, no, he no, is I'm just, not, I'm, he's talking just, about his sounded, clients um, who he's run across. Nick would never well, do that. The, that would so, never happen. Well, right? I wouldn't have named him King if he would have let that happen. I'm just telling you. Based, <laughs> well, based on my background and where I come from, I, I am particularly risk averse. And so like, I, I am very risk averse about burning clients money because that's the quickest way to make them mad. <laughs> you know? Yes, yes. That's, a, that's um, another tip that I think uh, is kind of universal. And, and Google also keeps making changes to, to AdWords to basically encourage people to click on stuff that they shouldn't be clicking on because uh, they're juicing their revenue. Mm-hmm. Like, but and it, I can get more into that, but yeah. But, but, I mean, it's kind of frustrating as somebody who – you know, wants to advertise, knows that digital advertising is a great way to do micro-targeting and probably less expensive than the old, like, radio. Well, it's definitely less, or it can be less expensive, let's say, than radio and print ads, so on and so forth. But, it, I mean, it seems like they play so many games with you and algorithms, and they try to, like, make sure that they're bottom line. It's just, like, it's, it's, hard. it's frustrating to some of our clients who are just like, well, I don't even want to... I don't even want to go there because um, it just feels like, you know, it's constant game playing on, on their end. And, and so is it worth it? And is it just, is it worth it in the fact that you also just need to get to the right person to help you navigate the, 
the loopholes and the and the stupid things that goes on behind the scenes. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's, Am it's, I being a little harsh yeah, on Google? <laughs> no, no, you're not being harsh on Google. So one of the things I was going to mention is they have this thing called the Partners Program, which for a decade was great. If you had that little badge, it meant Google loves you and you're getting results for your client. This past winter, they rolled out changes to the program that say, hey, in order to keep this, you have to use the automated recommendations we put in your ad account, regardless if they're good for the client. Um, And some of that stuff includes like increase your daily budget and the obvious pushback every agency went is, what if our client has a set budget and can't actually increase that? Like, I'm going to get penalized because we can't do that. Or they'll want you to roll out uh, ad text that is automatically generated by Google and they'll just pull words from your website. Um, One of the ones that I saw earlier, because you can go into that screen and it's like, consider running new ads. And the headline made no sense for the client, and the actual little snippet of text went, sign up for our newsletter. Um, no, that's not why I'm running that ad <laughs> for pitching a service. Like, That's a great way to make a client mad, um, especially if you're – like, if it's for like a law firm, uh, how much you pay per click varies on in the industry. So like law firms can pay anywhere from $20 to $200 a click, depending on how specific – the search is and what the situation is like there is no scenario where I want Google taking over that and just like, all right, let's just make some money. Um, and they burn, they burn, they burn through it. Uh, so don't do automated things like that, but it, it is a good idea to advertise and you can be strategic and you can get away with not spending much. The key word there is strategic. And that also gets into something you, you mentioned earlier. Why is it if I say something, ads start following me everywhere? Yes. Uh, Everybody yeah. asks that question. And and sometimes yeah. I'm not even on my phone. I'm like, I'm talking in a room. My phone's in my room, but I, the, I'm not talking to somebody. I've just thought of something. And then it's just. Oh, happened. that's because now they can read your mind. They can read my mind. <laughs> it's not, it's not I, that yeah. difficult of reading. But. <laughs> but anyway, so is is it really listening to you all the time? I mean, is it, are we, or are we just crazy? that we think they're following us yes and yes (laughs) we have 10 hats um, on by the way (laughs) it's i mean yes to varying degrees so and this also gets into the strategic part of it so anytime you go to a website the analytics platform drops a cookie in your browser and that that's just basically like a marker you know like if you go to a concert they stamp your hand you've been in the venue uh, or they give you a bracelet so this is basically your, your hand stamp, your bracelet, you visited this site. If you get that, you can then turn around and feed that data into other platforms. Like one thing I can do is run specific ads on Google search to anybody who saw specific pages on a website. Uh, and that can be a good thing if you, if you know what your sales funnel looks like and what people are looking for at each stage. So, for instance, if somebody visits a sales page, we can run ads that make banner ads pop up for case studies or for downloads that they have. So, if I'm a law firm and I actually have a guide on my site about running through the entirety of divorce, we can run banner ads about download this guide uh, to anybody who visited the practice area page for divorce. You can also feed that information into, say, Facebook or LinkedIn. there's other ways people collect this stuff too. So once you get people's email addresses, you can put it into a database and then you can run ads against those accounts. Uh, they can take, they can take the personally identifiable information people have like on Facebook. Um, like I could enter in a list of emails and then go create a lookalike or mirror list audience to go against these people. That's like, so these people, 50 people have something in common create a match against that and then target anybody who meets those stats. That makes sense. Um, so there, there are ways that you can, you can strategically run ads. I also suspect that all, like all these devices are actually listening to us. I mean, Google and Alexa uh, and Siri, you should presume that they're listening to you because they're on and they're waiting for you to say the magic words that activate them. So you should sort of presume that they're on all the time. And then 
particularly with Facebook. Facebook built its infrastructure or got developers to build its infrastructure into like pretty much every app on the planet. Um, so I would presume that they are listening to you through, through those apps. Wow. <laughs> so it's, it's great for marketers. It's, it's great yeah. for marketers, but it's also, you know, people just need to understand that uh, that's why you get served an ad. And after you've been talking about mattresses for the first time in your 10 years. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, yep. And then also, Maybe you did something on, like maybe you searched for it, but there are clear examples where, no, I didn't search for that. I just happened to say it. Suddenly it shows up. Yeah. Um, that tells me they're listening to you through the microphone. But regardless of all the creepy black mirror type stuff we can get into, uh, the point is you can get really strategic about this. What matters is you define your scenario, you know, and what do we have to do to get them to the next step? Then you build a campaign around that and you go for it. Um, yeah, and that's why, honestly, I, I, I tell our clients, I'm like, listen, SEM and SEO has just gotten, it's gotten so complicated. And Google and, and the technologies have gotten so smart. It's really hard to navigate unless you know what you're doing. So you really need to go to someone, whether it be a Nick or somebody who is, who's looking at the big picture, who understands the bigger picture. And that's not just the technology part. It's the content part and all the, and all the other things. So Nick, tell us real quick, how can we get a hold of you if somebody's well, listening? Normally that's the part of the show where we ask people to, but you know, we want people to contact us and then we'll, 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 we'll just have Nick work with us on these things. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Never mind. Uh, no, well, no, Nick, tell us where, where can people find you? Well, that was about to put me into an awkward situation because <laughs> I'm not really active on, say, social media. It's like on every <laughs> podcast on the planet. They're like, you can follow me on Twitter, or I have a Twitter account. I mostly use it to see what other people say in the SEO industry. So I'm a piece of digital driftwood. <laughs> so contact us, and we'll... Uh, yeah, and we'll <laughs> work with Nick. And we'll, <laughs> I mean, you, yeah, you can, you can reach out um, to a Tigro, but obviously it's better uh, to go through on the mark media here. Well, no, but give, um, but give how do you spell a Tigro and what's the website? Let's do that at least. Uh, yeah, this is it. Okay, so uh, com. There you go. There you go. And then, and now we, they, they this, the forces have heard us. And so we're all going to be getting served ads for a Tigro now. So. Right. Or Nick Blazer all of a sudden, he'll show up in your. Uh... <laughs> In your Twitter account. No, you won't because no, you're not you're you're not out there. You're... Nick, thanks yeah, a lot. I think I, you oh go ahead. Yep. Oh, I was gonna say I also have a, a Reddit account, but I also use that to lurk or give people advice on the SEO forums. Oh, okay. Well, I always find that uh, I, not only do you know this stuff, and but you can explain it to me in a way because I'm not technologically savvy. And so when I need to explain it to clients, sometimes I just bring you on because I, I'm like, I have no idea what he's talking about. But um, yeah. most of the time, you can explain it to me where I can translate it to the clients. And that's really That was a little too honest, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I only need... guy just spent all this time with us. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, sometimes it can get really deep i mean we have like very strategic things that we're working on for clients and so you know nick knows how to go real deep into the technology part and i'm like okay i just need to know that you got it and i don't need to know the rest yeah <laughs> but anyway and thanks so much thank you nick yep the off the mark podcast is a presentation of on the mark media feel free to contact us at on the mark media on twitter and at off the mark at onthemarkmedia.com. That email address again, off the mark at onthemarkmedia.com. Just to make it a little more complicated, it's Mark with a C. All those marks, they're with a C because we like to make it complicated yeah, sometimes. All right, we're delighted to hear from anybody who wants to uh, get in touch with us. Questions, comments, ideas, suggestions, we're, we're here for you. Uh, until next week. I'm Mark. She's Kathy. We're the Bickersteins. We're the Bickersteins. Thanks for listening.